Welcome to episode 251 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. I'm air drumming for some unknown reason. That was a little dance move going on there. Uh, it was, I think it was air drumming with excitement. Okay. All right. Mrs. Jones, weekly catch up. Yes, sir. It was a holiday weekend, like a long weekend. Yeah. Labor Day. I looked up what Labor Day is. A day to rest from your labors. You, do you know where it came from? Um, I don't. Labor protests in the late 19th century. Oh. Yeah, workers uniting, complaining. And so uh, some states started honoring their request and gave them a day off, and then soon it became a national holiday. And it's one of 10, I think, federal holidays. So if you're a non-essential federal employee, you get it off, and most private companies have followed. And there you go, thanks to Wikipedia. Wow, look at that. You did actually, your research. Uh, yeah, I was just so curious. When did you get that done between all of the other things you were doing this weekend? I just think, as a now an American... Yes, but we had Labor Day in Canada, and I never cared enough to look it up. <laughs> I don't know, because people say to me, oh, what are you going to do for Labor Day weekend? And I instantly think, what should I be doing? Like, what right. is, because uh, I wasn't raised here. I don't know what the rituals I figure, are. I think the rituals are always the same. Grill, Grill. barbecue, yeah. be on a boat if you've got a lake. Yes. That seems to be like the standard, That that's the standard answer. We did none of those things. No, we chilled. We. I tidied. I organized drawers. Tell me, darling. Yes. I like to organize things every once in a while you do like I when know. you like if it's tidy i feel you much, like to you yeah. like to it's not it's like if the house is tidy yes you then have passion and energy to sort yes and so our bathroom is now like all organized and sorted and beautiful good so i still haven't tackled the junk drawer it feels overwhelming to which me. one's the junk drawer the drawer drawer with all the junk in it this by the pantry. You're gonna have to narrow that one down. That's okay, not the true. one in the we kitchen. We only have one drawer that that fits that description. Mm-hmm. We do. Okay. Name another drawer that fits that description. The drawer in the console of the uh, living room thing behind the sofa. Both those drawers. No, nope, they're both virtually empty. This is where we differ between virtually empty and empty. The reason we differ is you haven't looked in the drawers in a very long time. That could possibly be it okay. as for the junk drawer i think just set fire to the thing oh that would burn our kitchen all my answers involve fire maybe there's some latent pyromania <laughs> terrifying that's going on what else happened this week well uh, i took tia for a date and we went to desano's pizza yeah she was just adorable i know i had no idea they had keto pizza i mean they, it's yeah, just amazing it was amazing yeah <laughs> if you try hard enough and think hard enough anything can become keto yeah you just like think the calories right out of there the carbs yeah, yeah carbs they're like gone calories. yeah gone uh i got a haircut you did lowered my ears okay is that what they say uh i don't know anybody that says that (laughs) did they say that in scotland i don't know okay that phrase was stuck in my head okay uh we you know how like was it last week or the week before we're talking about like we finally put up paintings in our house we did yeah yeah we moved some furniture around yes you did (laughs) well what's the laughter for that you need supervision. I feel like you need supervision in most things that you do. Like explain that in specific reference to this weekend's activities. Okay, so clear out of nowhere. Yep. Something that took four guys to get in our place. You start dismantling and then trying to shove it around on a piece of cardboard and bring things down. And fair enough, you got the two smaller pieces downstairs. Yep. But there was not a chance that you were going to be able to move the big piece. But you were trying to convince me that you could do it. Uh, no, no, all I wasn't. Your, no, yes, you were. No, no, yes, no, you were. In- I have, <laughs> I have witnesses that were sitting at the table. That do are- you remember the conversation? How did I pitch it to you? Go ahead. You, you I say how you, you think you pitched I it. I asked, babe, do you think it's possible? No. I didn't say I'm going to go do this. No, no, no. You said, now wait until I'm done. Because I knew because, you would interrupt. Because I think. I think I can do it because it's worked with the other ones and the cardboard and whatever. So you were pitching it like, oh, I really think I can do this. And I was like, maybe, but you'll end up dead underneath a piece of furniture at the bottom of the stairs and I won't be able to lift it. And what did I do with your advice? You decided not to do it. I took your advice. It's wise yeah. to listen to me. But I pitched as, hey, you know, like fresh off my enthusiasm from having been able to do I this. I think you think you pitched it that calmly, but you didn't. Yeah. You you pitched it at like a I I can do this 
I, I, I really thought maybe I could. And then the fact yeah. that I needed another strong man, thank you, Matt, to come over and help me. Yes. Proves there's no way I could have done it. Not a chance. Not a chance. But I was interested in exploring and seeing if I could. And uh-huh. my cardboard winching system worked well. Basically, I toppled things on a cardboard and then kind of moved, slid them around on carpets and then slid them down the stairs, which admittedly was very sketchy at times. Yes. But I got... Even with the smaller pieces, it was sketchy. Yeah. At one point, you almost did the splits at the bottom of the stairs. I don't know how that... Th- I don't know why that thing is so heavy. I remember trying to get it up it's the stairs. solid it wood. four men. Yes. Yep. Me but and now three it's men. moved. You have it. It's in your It's in my office. office. I've rearranged it's my It's got all book. your very yeah. interesting books in it. Yeah, I know. I've lined yeah. them up. But I'm curious the next time I do a Zoom call if people will be able to see what books are on the bookshelves. <laughs> for all of your research on all of your various different topics, it makes well, for a very interesting bookshelf. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, anyway, if you ever do a Zoom call with me, you can see if you can spot what I might be talking about. But that was our weekly catch up. Yeah. Is that all we did? Really? Yeah. Just, yeah. That was it. That's pretty much it. I'm getting ready to uh, have orientation for the school this week. So, School of Supernatural Life mm-hmm. kicks off in person and Tomorrow. online. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Good. I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like, the same as when we're going to fly the next day. Like, I don't know if I'm completely ready. Did I pack everything? Did I, you know, I feel a level of like, I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. Uh, you know, all that kind of thing. It's funny that you use that as an example because that's what it would be like now for us to fly. But do you remember there was a season of our life when we were on an airplane at least like every nonstop, week? Like nonstop, yeah. And it was the most normal thing in the world. Yes. And we never had trouble sleeping before we'd fly, and we never had to worry if we'd packed because our life was constantly well, packed. we lived in our suitcases. We basically took it out, washed it, stuck it back in. Do you know I totally miss those days? I don't. I totally miss being in airports and airport lounges and on airplanes and in hotels. Mm. I still I would like. All that. I would still like to travel some. I don't want to ever go back to the amount of travel that we did. Really? Really. What if I could guarantee it was always in first class? Would you do it? Ah, uh, no. Still wouldn't? No. No, I ended up with adrenal fatigue and burnout. Well, I guess yeah. some people are not made for a life in the skies. Well, I did do it for four years longer than you did. So, let's move on. You What's did. our topic for today? Bless you. And you did all of those four years, almost all in economy. Ah, uh, yeah. All in economy, really. Yeah. Much grace to you. Our topic yes. for this week. If you yes. remember, last week... We were talking all about um, authority, yes. the blessing, the goodness of authority. Yes. And in talking about that, we realized we have a, like our experience of authority is on the whole being an incredibly positive thing. And what we notice, are you holding in a yawn? Mm-hmm. Because that was, I was like, you're either having a stroke, in which case I need to call 911, or you're doing the worst attempt okay. at stifling. Nobody Chris, listening. can you play that no. back? No. <laughs> picture in picture. A close-up of AJ's yawn, please. <laughs> Nobody listening to the podcast would have known. Only our Patreon viewers would have seen the contained yawn. It was and barely contained, it's... baby. Oh, yes. Chop that out and put that on social media. Last week, we were talking about the joy of social oh media. Nope. Joy of authority. Yes. And we were, as we were even talking, thinking, yeah. As we've talked about authority in the past, uh-huh. we realize it prompts lots of questions from people who might not have had as fortunate experience with us. <laughs> Are you okay? Now what's happening? I'm just having the yawn again. Get your body under control. <gasps> yeah, I know. So people may not have had as fortunate an experience with authority as us. So I asked for questions. Yes. And I got a ton. Oh, good. And they're they're great. I want to start. Yeah. With our, uh, here's the thing. I forgot to ask on social media and you know the various places I asked hey, for questions if I could use your name. And because I didn't get permission from anybody, I don't want to use your name. But I do like to give credit where credit's due. So I'm going to make them all anonymous. But I do want to thank everybody for sending in questions. Yes, thank you that very much. I, yeah. I'd rather err on the side of caution. Err. What I say. Err. Yeah, err on the side of caution. Err on the side of caution. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see how it's going to be. All right. I'm going to... Now, it's late at night. We're recording this late at night, and my eyes are tired, so I can't see. why you're holding your phone up like that. 
don't tell them. I don't want to. I don't. Shame is too hard. Do you want me to hold it alive? <laughs> oh, now you're making me blush. All right. Okay, no, but you we- have to tell them why you're, why you're holding up your phone that high. Okay, so Alan realized that when he keeps his phone down low, he ends up with a double chin. (laughs) So for our Patreons, he's decided to hold his phone higher. But then I realized I can't see it, and so the microphone gets in the (laughs) way. So he's been trying to figure out where he can hold it and not have a double chin. And then I realized, (laughs) and then I realized the problem isn't with the angle of the phone; it's the fact that I have a double (laughs) chin. Yeah, I'm like, it's you know, gonna stay. So the dangers of video podcasting. Okay. All right. Okay. So I thanked our viewers for I, sending in I questions. I have to wipe tears away. Hang on a second. Ooh, we should not podcast late at night. All right. One cre- question that we got that I thought was such a great question that kind of put this in context. It was from one of our subscribers. And they said this when I posed the question. And they said, do you mean leaders or do you mean authority? Do they mean the same thing to you? And And I thought that was such a great question because, of course, they're not the same thing. And yet there is huge overlap. And the reason that we're not talking about spiritual aspects of authority or authority when it comes to government um, or cultural authority, and the reason that we're leaving it at, you know, parents, bosses, um, pastors, coaches, that sort of stuff, your immediate leaders is, by and large, the most common way you and I encounter authority is through the authority that's been delegated to our earthly leaders. Yes. And so that's, you know, rather than having a big which might be a great topic to have uh, to talk about the kind of larger concepts of authority. We're by and large talking about how do you walk with the authority you experience through your leaders? Okay. And we've got a ton of questions and I've listed them kind of, I've grouped them in order. And if you send in a question and you don't hear me read it, it's probably because it was so similar to other questions around the same topic that I might've taken some liberty and kind of, compress them all together. Great. You ready, AJ Jones? I think so. All right. This section is all about where is the line between... You're just giggling, aren't you? Because <laughs> you how you're holding your phone. Do you want me to hold it for you? Well, part of it is, again, I don't have new glasses yet. And as the day goes on, my eyes get tired. And I, oh, I can't I, read it. I see. So look, I have to take my glasses off to read it. If I'm going to keep my glasses on, I have to read it over here. Where is the line between having challenging authority versus having abusive authority? Ooh, that's a good question. So many good questions were asked. Where is the line between having challenging authority and having abusive authority? I think that's tough to answer on one level because, like, on one level, I think... I'm always looking at what is the motivation of the heart of that person that they're, you know, what are they trying to express and what's their... You mean the leader? Yeah, the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, is is their heart to see you grow or is their heart that they don't look bad? Or, mm-hmm. you know, so... Uh, but How do you even know the motive think, of someone's right, heart? I don't think when you're being led by them, you can actually assess that, especially if something's happened where you're actually questioning, oh, are you... Is it just that you're challenging me, or are you actually abusive? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What was your thought about it? I was thinking that probably outside help, an outside perspective would absolutely help. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that is unique to every human is we're our own worst counselors. So when part of the reason why counselors and therapists are so good is you can go to them and say, here's a situation in my life. Can you give me an impartial, unbiased, professional opinion of some of the dynamics that are going on? Because I know in my own life, I can talk myself into and out of situations. Yes. Like I can talk myself, I can justify my behavior, I can excuse other people's behavior, you know, and it's a mess. So we really are our own worst counselor. So probably getting some perspective is helpful. But it's also worth wondering, like the thin line, we touched on this last week about you know, if you're following your leader and they're going in the direction that you are going in anyway, are you really following your leader? Right. And so part of the problem happens is when challenge happens, when your leaders challenge you, and good leaders do, they challenge you, they hold you to account. They perhaps, you know, challenge you with prophetic words you've had over your life, or perhaps they challenge you at work outside of a spiritual environment. Like, hey, I actually, you know, 
I, I noticed that as a as a parent. Let's do that. Like part of our job in this season is to challenge our kids about their behavior, their attitude, and I've noticed none of them like it. The cleanliness of their bedrooms or brushing of their, their teeth. teeth. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, like, how do you? I don't think there's one metric. I mean, of course, there's clear indications when abuse is happening. Yes. But also, depending on our background, depending on the discipline that we experience as a child, we, you know, may have a way too sensitive or a not too sensitive meter on what is or isn't abusive. Yeah. I wonder, too, if maybe, I don't know if I want to call this a litmus test, but I wonder if, if, if a leader is bringing some sort of correction, my thought is if it's challenging, you can ask questions and that leader can answer questions. Yes. Where if it's really more sort of spiritual abuse, they're probably not going to answer questions. Because I told you so. Right. I'm your authority. So. I say jump, you say That's just like a little thought in the back of my head. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave it with get some outside perspective. Like if, if you're running that line between is this that or is it another thing, bringing other people in. And by the way, if you're too scared to bring in other people for how that will make you look, it could be an indication that you're in an abusive leadership position. Does that make sense? That you're in an abusive or that you're under an abusive leader? No, what I mean is if if you come to me and say, hey, you know, my boss at work, I don't know if this is abusive or this is challenging. And and you say, hey, you know, I, I'm thinking of like maybe speaking to my counselor about it, but I don't want to make my leader mad. That statement right there tells me that you're probably not in the healthiest of environment. Yes. Is, is yeah. all I was thinking. Sure. So there's going to be hints well, along the way. Sure. Unless you're really not used to having any healthy leader relationships, in which case probably everything always feels scary. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well done on stumping us on your first question. Oh, dear. There's Sec- more. Oh, so many good questions. Where is the line between healthy disagreement with authority and a rebellious heart? I would have liked these questions earlier. <laughs> so just, my contemplator. I'm just throwing them at you. Well, how about I'll read you the questions and you can Take answer a, them. Read okay. the question. Let me see if I can even see the question. Where is it? Look at okay. us, babe. Look at us. Where is the line? I can hold the phone in Murphy's bar and see if you can see it easier. <laughs> I, I don't have my glasses. All right. So yeah. we'll go back to me answering okay. the questions. <laughs> me asking asking me. the questions, you answer them. Okay. And I'll just I'll just go yeah, over wh- to you, What's Jones? the thin line between healthy disagreement with authority and a rebellious heart? Probably teachability. Like I think I think it's I think it's healthy to disagree when you disagree. Absolutely. And to ask questions and you know, ask clarification, all that kind of stuff. It's when you choose not to hear, like when you're, I don't think we ever, as a leader or as a person being led, want to be so stuck in our point of view that we can't actually hear the response of the other person. Right. And I think if if we are the person being led who is sort of refusing to even consider the other perspective, probably we're heading more towards rebellion then yeah. that's my thought yeah that's a great thought i i thought the same thing as you that actually disagreement isn't bad oh and you, a healthy culture will allow people to disagree yeah and here's the thing if if you as a leader and i'm speaking to leaders here yeah don't permit disagreement in your culture you'll lose your leaders yeah you, you you'll lose will. your strong leaders. You'll lose sure. your strong leaders. Sure. And so uh, uh, you don't have to have agreement in order for leadership to be present. Otherwise, you, you know, you're going to move at a snail's pace and you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And actually part of the reason God anoints leaders is to take people in a direction they might never otherwise go. Right. So consensus agreement isn't required for good leadership to be present. And so good leaders, healthy leaders will allow disagreement. Oh my, just let it out. Don't try and hold it in. Well, stop pointing it out. You could have just I, kept talking. There's Nobody no way, baby. It's a picture of beauty. It's a picture of beauty. It is not. I flare my nostrils like the dragon. Oh, don't worry. We're all going to see it. We're all going to see it. So, yeah, disagreement is, disagreement is really, really good. And I think you need to allow disagreement because any idea that is worth holding on to needs to be stress tested. Well, in fact, like in departments that we've led, we're like, everybody throw your ideas in the middle and let's rip them apart Best idea and see wins. what stands, you know? So you have to be able to disagree. When I think about my experience with Jeff and John, 
Yeah. Uh, being led by them. Incredibly gracious, godly leaders who, uh, you know, both of them want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I can think of times where they have made decisions that I haven't disagreed with, I haven't agreed with, rather, and it hasn't meant I can't follow them. Right. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong and I'm right, because actually their leadership is not predicated on my agreement. Right. You know, my willingness to follow doesn't require that they do everything that I want them to do. Oh, my God, woman, just yawn. What were we talking about? Yeah, you don't need agreement in order for someone to lead, right? I, I think about that whole thing about you don't need agreement to lead. And the reason that God has given you leaders is because they've got more wisdom and experience than you. Like, for example, could you imagine what our family dynamic would be like if, we, if you and I only led somewhere where me and you and the three kids were all in agreement? Can you think if we handed over the decisions? If we Nobody would brush their teeth anymore. Well, think about where our money would go. Right. It would go on Pixel Gun 3D. Think about what our grocery right. budget would be like. It would just right. be ice cream. Right. And so we lead because we've got more wisdom, more understanding of what's good for them. We do it. <laughs> I think I just saw a vortex in another dimension. <laughs> Guys, if you're we listening to this never, podcast, AJ is just We can never podcast at night again. We can't. We're old. I'm so sad. Now you're making me yawn. Good luck editing this, Chris, into something coherent. So disagreement is good, or at the very least, it's not bad. What do you do about whether you have a rebellious heart or not? Well, I think that comes down to, are you prepared to follow even if you disagree? And for me, yeah, I am going to follow because, again, you know, me needing to agree with my leaders is, is, is not part of the deal. Like, God put Jeff, God put John, God put these leaders in my life for my good, for me to follow. And I'm often not going to know what the good is until I follow them to see what it is. And so, you know, I don't want to bail for that reason. So there you go. I hope yeah. that helps. And I would say even I've had times where, no, not with John, but like leaders under John, where I was like oh i don't agree with this at all but i'm gonna follow because john put you in place and you know yeah and later you know john was like why didn't you tell me that was happening kind of thing but i still grew from choosing to follow even though you know it, it wasn't, wasn't ideal. it wasn't ideal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right well on that topic this is this might be my very favorite question i read okay how do you know if you're under good authority and just triggered versus being under bad authority. <gasps> Not good. That's a great question. How do you know, love? I, I mean, the easy answer is you're going to need wise counsel. A much longer and a cheaper and a like slower way of finding out is it might be worth stepping back and asking yourself some questions, reflecting on, is that dynamic, that experience that you're having that's causing you to question that, is that being consistent with every leader? Yeah, is it familiar to you? Is it familiar to you? In which case, you've either had a really bad luck of being under you know, these type of leaders, or you could be the common denominator. Right. Right. And, and I want to be, again, go back to you can't self-diagnose. We're our own worst counselors, which is why outside wise counsel is really helpful. Um, another question might be, uh, the inverse of that. Have you ever been under a leader that hasn't produced that feeling? Oh, that's a great question. And were they going in the same direction as you anyway? Like, what what is the bit that's causing you to trigger? You know, and like explore your story around that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to see if I thought of anything else. I was just thinking about one of the things that we talk about when we train our small group leaders on the school is, hey, the minute that you step into the authority of being a small group leader, you can become the focus, you know, for the girl small group leaders of all of your students' unhealed mom wounds, mm -hmm. you know, for the guys of all of the students' unhealed dad wounds. Yeah, you become a walking representative right. and that of doesn't previous hurt. make you the predicator of the hurt. It makes you a representation of authority, which is what caused the hurt. And mm -hmm. so you just need to know hey, it's probably not about you. Mm -hmm. And because it happens so often and so quick in the mind of the person that it happens, where they're just like, you know, 
we we do one, two, miss a few, a hundred, right? Yep. Like you said this, which meant you meant this, which means ah! and we you know and we trigger over whatever. And, and that's we, our story that we haven't worked through. That's right. So we're just you know you are my mom. Yeah. And you you know when you looked at me that way, you meant this. I mean. Yeah. And I want to be careful. Like you know, I recognize we're leaders. We're leaders in an institution, and so it's very easy for us to tell stories. Where you know our people were the good guys, and it was other people's stories. Because of course, it's not it's not always that way. Like you right. know, as leaders ourselves included, no, it's not we have made way. tremendous mistakes Absolutely. in our leadership. And yeah, on on our side, we are more familiar with some of the stories, especially when we're helping people walk through leader wounds. Where, but you know, we've had that ourselves. Where like I but remember, but there's a reason you have to help people walk through leader wounds. Yeah, yeah. I remember being. I mean, this was this was one of the most mind boggling events ever to come out of my group therapy sessions oh, i'm ready where i was in group therapy and i had two leaders all right and one of the leaders challenged me and uh you know i challenged him back and then this other leader stepped in to kind of help diffuse the situation and uh, you know and so then i went away from that that one event and i came back the following week wanting some resolution like hey guys last week we had this interchange between the three of us and, you know, like, and I retell the events of how it happened, you know, and then this guy said this, and he was he practically leaning out of his chair, ready to lunge at me, and then you cut in, and I was really mad at you, because we were getting into it, and I don't know why you were trying to protect me from him, and I was fine, and everybody in the group is kind of looking at me, like, with a tilted head, like, what, Alan? And I'm like, okay, well, give me some feedback, and they're like, literally the events of what you just described did happen last week? But the manner with which you're describing them absolutely did not happen. Okay. And so the narrative, like the, the facts, you said this, I said this, they said this, was all true the way I remembered it. And I would have sworn on a stack of Bibles, this is how it went down. Right. And six people in the group who've got like no reason to lie are all like, no, that didn't happen. Well, I think we as human beings have a fantastic ability to write story absolutely. in an instant. Oh, yeah. And my story was, you're my dad, you're my mom. Right. And I was like, oh, my my childhood story just showed up 40 years later in a room. And I would have sworn this is what this is how it was. And this was their motive. And this is how I and I was like, that's uh, was just a powerful moment of like, this is why we need to work on our stuff. Yeah. Yep. Any any other thoughts on 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 that? I don't remember the question at this point. How do you know if you're under good authority and just triggered versus bad authority? Well, I think also, I mean, consider that person in general. Like, is this is whatever it is that you're thinking at this moment because of one interaction? Is, do you know this to be true about that person? Mm-hmm. Like, because I think you're gonna have some interactions with anybody because we live anybody. in a you know what I mean? I have None interactions with you. Yeah. And I think you're a monster. Ru- a, a monster. A monster. Oh, my Absolutely. gosh. Absolutely. But when you step back and go, okay, this is what I'm feeling like the, the fruit of that interaction was. H is but a monster. do I know that to be true? I do not. Thank you. You know, and if I don't know that to be true, then actually what's my part? Like, am I getting triggered? That's what I start to ask those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. I think also that brilliant question often doesn't get answered for years down the line. Like, is think, it possibly true that AJ is a monster? No, no. The, the whole, you know, am I? Um, is this a good leader and I'm just being triggered versus right. they're a bad leader? Right. Because it's like the wheat and tares. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, you know, see what grows. You see what grows. You see what comes of it. And my encouragement is, unless you're in danger, unless there's, there's toxic effects on your body, the quality of your life. Stay and kind of, you know, work out and see what comes out in the wash years down the line. Yeah. And usually also there's going to be some level, unless they're very near new leaders, Mm -hmm. there's, you're going to be able to identify some fruit from their leadership. Mm -hmm. That also should probably give you some, some clues. And then also forget leadership, just think personality. Like I, I had just a series of conversations in the last month or so, which were just absolutely wonderful and incredibly painful to go through at the same time where somebody I'm leading, uh, you know, asked for some input and boy, did we miss each other. Now it got resolved beautifully where we could talk about how we missed each other, but my tremendous sadness is on my very best. I'm bringing my a game 
to be with this person, to love this person in a way I think that it's going to speak to their love languages and, you know, and be with them. And I'm like, do my best to be present. And they just gave me some feedback. We're like, no, that was actually horrible. Like, and I didn't feel like you cared at all. And I'm like, now I'm so hurt and I'm so discouraged, especially as a leader, because I actually, I'm so, like, A, I'm so glad you told me that, but B, I'm devastated. I don't, I don't know how it would be more loving and more present. Like, so can we talk about how we missed each other? And thankfully, they were very gracious and they heard me. In one sense, I had nothing to do with leadership style, because in that moment, I'm not being a leader. I'm just being with somebody wanting to hear with them. But it's personality, it's life languages, right. it's communication style. Right. So we're all humans and we all need grace and we all have limitations. Yeah, I all concur. Right. Next question. I just want to mention, Yeah, I'm not a monster. You, no, you're not. But I can think about times when I'm tired, it's late, you're hungry. Okay, I'm kidding. Something. I can be a monster if I want to. <laughs> no, 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 but you're really, you're not. But sometimes like my heart can get hurt just because I've missed you and that whole thing of, is this true of what I know AJ to be? No, it is not. Okay. Hey, babe, I'm really sorry. When you said that thing or you looked that way, I thought this. Was that true? No, it wasn't. Okay, I'm so glad. The end. All right. Do you want to say something else? No, I was just thinking uh, my most recent example. What was is, that? Well, my back was out. and I So when I sit on the couch, I need to sit in the middle of the cushion. Oh. And then you'll, you'll be like, I need attention. So you'll like sit on the side of my cushion which then rocks my whole body sideways, which is the problem because I have a disc that's bulging out the side. And I'm like, babe, can you move over a cushion or sit in the center? But you're like, but I need to be with you. But I'm, but I'm physical touch. But I'm, I'm like, that's all really nice. And when my back's better, we can talk about it. But go ahead and just move on over. No, move on over. Sit on like as far as east is from west. That is not on even our true. Giant we weren't sofa. even a meter apart. You know, our love languages have changed <laughs> so differently, hasn't it? No, you're married. still the same. Really? Yeah. It used to be that you were really high quality time and I couldn't go shopping without you calling me going, are you nearly home? I miss you. And I'd be like, oh my God, you're so pathetic. I see you all the time. And now that's completely reversed where I'm like, you've been gone. When that's are you coming true. back? You I totally me. miss you. Yeah. All the time. All the time. That's yeah. one of the things I was missing. Meaning. Okay. All right. You ready for some questions yes. about church leadership? I'm ready. All right. What are signs of controlling leadership? And when is it okay to walk away? So two-parter, what are some signs of controlling leadership? You ever been under some controlling leadership, AJ Jones? You know, thankfully, I haven't been under a lot of controlling okay. leaders. Yeah. But I would say, like, one of the things would be that you, you can't actually ask questions or ask for clarification. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just sort of my way or the highway mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, do you have ones that you're thinking of? Well, I'm thinking you're not allowed to be yourself. Like if you're in a controlling environment, controlling leadership. They're usually trying to make you a little clone of them. Yeah, conformity is really valid. And, you know, what you bring to the table, your version of you is usually not high on the, the value table. Yeah. You're not allowed to speak truth to power because that's just interpreted as rebellion. Yeah, so no confrontation. Anything else? I would say, I mean, just even physical things like I think you'll know because you feel stressed if you have to meet with them. If yeah. you, you know, what I mean, like you're, if if your stress is like, you know, if you would normally get like an upset stomach or, you know, whatever with stressful situations, if you're like, you know, they call and they're like, hey, can I see you today or tomorrow? And your your stomach's rolling and everything. There's probably something going on. But I don't know that that necessarily means that they're controlling, controlling. Because that could be your own leadership wounds where you think the hammer's yeah, going to drop on really you. Yeah, really could. I think about, like, if I think about the people I know who I'm like, I do not want to be under your leadership. Yeah. Is, like, they're, they, they live a lie. They're not who they are in private as who they preach about in public. Yeah. Like, that's a concerning trait for me when... They're a different person yeah. on the platform than they are mm -hmm. in a room. Or when your future must be tied to their input that's always worrying to me yeah or your success is tied to their input yes. in their mind in like their if mind, you're not yeah. listening to me you're not probably going to succeed mm -hmm. or like you can't flourish outside of their vision for you right that th those things are alarming yeah as for like you know when is it time to leave well i think like we were talking last week hebrews 13 17 basically you know scripture says submit to your leaders obey them you know, let them lead. And it says, allow them to do this. So the onus is on you to allow them, so to speak, to lead you. 
So I think there's a, you know, you get to pick the leaders that you're under. Yeah. And I would encourage you to pick really, really wisely. Yeah. I think if they feel unsafe, then stop allowing those people to be your leaders and find some safe leaders. Yeah. Before you leave, I would just, I would caution, I would not caution you, I would like suggest you have three things in place. Like one, you've sought counsel from other people and you've got like two or three confirmations on that. Two, you know, you've got the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then three, make sure that you leaving isn't a repeating pattern of your life. Right. Because it could be that the leader that you think is controlling is just a leader that God's put in your life to kind of rub off some rough edges in your life and you're not enjoying the process. Mm. What to, What do you do when you feel that your church leadership is toxic, but you're still trying to stay faithful? I mean, you think your whole church leadership is toxic? In which case, uh, I would find a new church. Just like, do not pass go. If your whole church leadership is toxic. Wow. Wouldn't you? My whole church. I mean, if, defend, if I depends think, on how you know they're toxic. Well, that's the thing. I would at least want to do a litmus test. Okay. And a great litmus test is present your concerns to the leadership, like give them the benefit of the doubt. And if your first reaction is, "Oh no, they wouldn't," you know, they wouldn't take it, then you know, are they really? You know, they could still be toxic, but to not give them the benefit of the doubt, to not actually offer, like, this is how I've experienced you, it isn't very fair. So, you know, like Matthew 18, you know, if a, a brother's hurt you, you know, go to them. Yeah. You know, if that hasn't worked, go with some other people. And if that doesn't work, you know, bring it to the whole church. Right. So, you know, and I don't mean like stand up on a Sunday morning and go, yeah, you know, I've got this to say. I mean, like, you know, go to your leaders at first and go, hey, this is how I've experienced this. And your greatest measure of success in being heard is to present it as an observation rather than an accusation. Mm. Right, just like, hey, I could be out to lunch, but this has been my experience, and you know, see what the leaders say. That that probably would be my very first response. Yeah, and then you know, trying to remain faithful is really noble, but often when we're trying to remain faithful, we're trying to do it on our terms, and I think like if we're doing everything right in a vacuum, and we're not allowing our leaders to speak into the situation that we're accusing them of. It's not very fair to them. Right. I think I'm assuming if you're saying, what do you do if your leadership, you know, all of your leadership is toxic and you're trying to be faithful. I'm assuming you've already done Matthew 18. You've tried confrontation. You've tried conversation. You've tried whatever. Like to arrive at their toxic, that to me is a very strong word. I'd also caution you to make sure that the conclusion you've come to is your own and you just haven't borrowed other people's offenses. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a huge thing. Like often if we're burden bearers, we're like, oh, my gosh, I heard so-and-so is this, that. You've never had an actual experience of so-and-so's leadership, but because you're picking up the offenses of your friends, you are now like, when that's rife with judgment and that's not going to be good. Mm. And as a general rule of thumb, a great way to increase the quality of your life is to just not borrow offenses. Yes. All right. Okay. I've got, admittedly, I've got lots of problems with this question. Let me read it to you and then tell you, I'll tell you what I think my problem is. Okay. Should your level of relationship and or access to a pastor equal how loyal and submissive you are? Okay. <laughs> so the reason this is a terrifying question is because I'm not sure if it's the way it's worded or if it just feels like a trap to me. Okay. Like it feels like however I answer this, there's... It right. feels a bit like a trap. Right. But I don't know the motive of the person's heart, so I'm going to do my best to answer it. Okay. And what I was going to say is that, like, from my perspective, like, I'm a leader, but when I think about the people who have got the a highest level of relationship with me and therefore the highest level of access to me, most of these people, I'm not their pastor. Okay. Right? So, yeah. So in that case, no, like these, these people are not loyal and submissive to me as a, as a pastor because I'm not their pastor. Like the people I'm closest to and therefore have the most access to in my life, a lot of them, I don't pastor at all. And so that's not... Yeah, they don't go to our church. Right. Or, yeah. And then some of the people who are very close to me and do have the most access, yes, I am a pastor in their life, but the reason they are close to me is because we have lots of things in common and the Lord's given us favor in each other, and it, it hasn't been like, mm, what's their what's their submissive obedience ratio to in my life? Right. And having said that, it also happens to be 
that they are submissive people. So in one thing, you could be like, aha, that formula is true in your life. But I feel like those two things could be equally true and not be a causation. Like there could be some correlation, but we might be accusing that, uh, 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 not accusing, we might be confusing that with causation. Does that make sense? Sure. Those are some big words you're yeah. using there, Jones. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's and the other thing is, do I really want to be close or have people who are in my life who are uh, not gracious to me and are rebellious towards me? No, that seems like a really unhealthy reason to have relationship. Right. So, I don't know, the question just feels a bit like... Icky? Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, sorry, but, whoever but sent then, the question. But then not knowing, I'm, I, I wonder if we're just completely missing the point. Right, but well, yes. you try answering it a little bit better then. Should your level of relationship slash access to a pastor be equivalent to how loyal and submissive you are? Uh, I No, I don't think so. Because I think some of it depends on if you go to a church with 20 people in it, those people are all going to have much more access to their pastor than a church with a thousand people in it. And you are choosing to go to that church and you are choosing to allow that person, you know, you're, they are the authority of that church. You're Mm -hmm. choosing to sit underneath it. So you might never have a lunch with them. You might never. You scale it up to 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people in your church. Right. It's unrealistic that you're going to have access to that pastor. Right. So if you're, if, if you're at the church that you're choosing to be at, then I think that by choosing that, you're saying, okay, I'm choosing to be underneath this person's authority, and it has nothing to do with how much they talk to you, how often you have a meal. Right. And I don't think it can. Yeah, or you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Right, that's a much more gracious way of answering it than me. What if my pastoral authority is younger than me and I see immaturity? Is my trust required? Well, you've chosen to go to that church and they're your pastor. So I don't know if your trust is required, but certainly your submission, for lack of a better word. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. that's where you're going to church. This this question made me smile for so many reasons, in part because a lot of the leaders that we've raised up are younger than the people they lead. Yes. So you think about being on the school of supernatural life. Yes. I remember John Arnott came. Mm -hmm. John is what? In his 70s. -hmm. John came and he was like, Alan, I love your school. Maybe Carol and I should just take a year out and come and do SOSL. I was like, John, I would love that, but I got a challenge for you. Are you prepared to be challenged by a 22-year-old? Right. He's like, oh, he said, would would they do that? I was like, oh, they absolutely would. would." Yes, because we tell them to. And and so I've got this great story, and I asked for permission in advance to tell us. So Shannon McLaird, who is one of our school pastors, before Shannon was a pastor, before Shannon was on staff at Gray Center, Shannon came and did the school. And Shannon, at the time, this was the second year we'd run the school, wasn't it? The first year, we had put an age limit. It was for 18 to 35-year-olds. You'd had a dream about three people, five people going through the school to beta test. How can we, uh, you know, make the school open to all ages? Mm -hmm. And Shannon was one of those people. Mm -hmm. And Shannon, you know, very well established in our culture, very well established in our community, uh, a lay leader in her own right, served on our ministry teams, on our um, in in our healing, healing teams. Team. Yeah. I mean, just well regarded. Yes. Not on staff. And you said, hey, Shannon, would you come through the school and would you beta test it? And I think, uh, Shannon, forgive me if I got this wrong, you'd been praying about, you know, Lord, I would love to do the school. Yes, that's right. So she had. Great. Yeah. So it here comes Shannon, well. who is well established and uh, is older than the majority of people in the school. Yes. Like how delicately I am. But she's got she's got children who are in their 20s. Yes. And so she comes on the school and her small group leader is probably mid-20s. Yes. And it's the first week. It's journal assignments need to be turned in. And Shannon hasn't turned in her journal assignment. Now, also, it's fair to point out that, you know, the first couple of weeks, Shannon's heard and probably taught a lot of the stuff we teach on the school through encounter weekends and whatnot. Right. And so I don't know the reason that Shannon didn't do her journal assignment or didn't do her homework. But guess what? Her small group leader, as we've trained him to do, confronts Shannon immediately. Like, no, and when I say confront, I don't mean you in my office. I need this. It's just like, <laughs> hey, Shannon, can you help me understand why you haven't done your journal assignment? And Shannon's like, uh, uh, like, are, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally serious. Could you have that by tomorrow? And 
Think about what that took this small group leader who is the same age as Shannon's daughter to confront Shannon, who is this spiritual mama in our house. Right. And yet Shannon said, like, oh, it was a good, like, that produced amazing fruit in me. And now Shannon is one of our leaders. But it's also a huge mark of humility to be able to receive from somebody who's younger than you. Yes. And really, age, in one sense, does not have much to do with spiritual authority. No. Re- it really doesn't. It really doesn't. I remember. And I mean, even seeing like immaturity in a person. I mean, I, I, I see immaturity in people all the time. Yeah. You don't need a spiritual you know? gift of discernment to see immaturity. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that needs to be a determining factor on whether you can receive either. You know, because yeah. I think we're all working on things. We all have different places where we need to still mature and still grow. And, and also by honoring your leaders, you're honoring the Lord. Yeah. I remember being I remember getting a prophetic word from Isabel saying you will you will pastor people twice your age. And then I remember I don't know the year later, but you and I were staffing the summer school, the leader school in Toronto. Yep. And a lot of the in my small group I had five or six men, some of whom were quite literally twice my age. Yeah. And I remember I mean all of them were certainly older than me. Mm-hmm. Probably by about twenty years. Some were way older than me. Yeah. And I remember out of that that group there were some men who humbled themselves to receive from me, even though they had way more life experience, more, way more pastoral experience. But they recognized, oh, your leaders who I honor have put you in charge, so I'm going to honor them by honoring you. Yeah. And then I remember other leaders who just like did not receive anything from me. And by my best guesstimate, the people who couldn't receive didn't receive as much from the school as they could have done. Yes. So yeah. my encouragement, like, do you have to? No, but you get to. Yeah. And it'd be a well, great opportunity. Good. Okay, here's a question about boundaries. What do boundaries look like with those in authority? I mean, for sure, if that authority isn't good, but even if it is, I'm just thinking, for example, that people who can't say no to bosses or leaders or whatever, and just keeping that in healthy perspective. So what do you do with having boundaries with your leaders? Um, I, I, again, I think this is hard-ish to answer because I in recent history, mm-hmm. haven't had really a hard time saying no to but somebody talk about that's why you would need to say no to somebody who's an authority. Because once upon a time, there might be people out there who don't think yeah. you can say no to leaders. How do you know what you can say no to and what, you can, what you're allowed to say no to? Well, again, one of the things that you teach when you te- talk about boundaries is if I say yes to this, then what am I saying no to? Mm-hmm. So for me, because it's God family, church, or work, you know, if if I'm saying no to something that God has asked me to do, like specifically talk to me about, or I'm saying no to something that my family needs mm-hmm. uh, in order to say yes to this, then it's a no for me. So how do you say no to Jeff then? So Jeff's your leader. Yeah. And how do you, how do you exercise boundaries with Jeff? Uh, I mean, Jeff's probably, well, he's super easy to talk to, right? right. But I would just be like, Jeff, you know, oh, I'd love to do that thing for you. Unfortunately, Abigail has a whatever on that night, and I I can't miss that. But the thing is, Jeff values family, so he would go, yeah, of course. Right. Um, yeah, bad example. Right. Yeah, bad example. I'm trying to think, uh, I, like, the, the way I answer that question in my head is, your leader has very clear demarcations of lines of authority in your life. So let's take your work, nine to five work. You have a boss, you work in an architect's office and he's your boss. So largely think about like draw a hula hoop around the things that are responsible, you're responsible for that your boss has ownership over at work. And anything he asks for within that, that is a reasonable request and you say yes to. Now let's, let's play the AB game. A, if he asks you to do something that is within that hula hoop, but you're, your workload is already full. A great question to ask your bosses. I would love to say yes to that. Can you help me uh, work out what you would like me to prioritize? Yeah. Because in order to do that, I'm going to have to say no to something. Which one of these things would you like me to say no to? Right. You're not being a smart aleck. You're asking for input. Right. So that's how you say no or explore your no when your boss asks you to do something that's within the hula hoop of your work. But let's say your boss and you work at this architect's office is now asking you or trying to uh, make requests of you outside of work-related commitments. Like doesn't want you to shop at certain stores, um, wants you to use your, um, uh, your personal credit card instead of a business card for business expenses. 
Anything that's outside of work, you get to say no to because your boss actually has no authority over those things. Right. Now, part of your success in saying no is going to be the way you say no to. And a great, great question to use for that is, can you help me understand? Yeah. Like, hey, can you help me understand why you're asking me to use my personal card instead of the credit card? Can you help me understand why it's important to you that I don't shop at the store? Can you help me understand why? It's, it's just a great question. But draw out your line of demarcation where you think your boss has got a right to ask things of you. Anything outside of that, you're free to say no to. Anything inside of that, you want to inquire about your yes or your no and what to prioritize. That's so good. All right, let me ask you some questions about what makes good leaders. First question, what are some hallmarks of good authority? The first thing that I look at is, is this person under authority themselves? Mm. Why is that important to you? To me, that makes them safer. It means they're somebody who's receiving input from somebody that those people can say hard things to them yeah. so they understand how this whole thing works. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I've met somebody who I would consider a safe leader that isn't under authority themselves. What are some hallmarks of good authority? People that are teachable and, and like always trying to learn. Mm-hmm. I think people that can... You can ask questions too. They can talk about, mm-hmm. you know, process and and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, where they're at, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What about you? I my head goes to is three passages of scripture that talk about like the requirements for elders and deacons. Yeah, you know, like church leadership. They're pretty familiar. They're like Titus chapter one verse five, First Timothy chapter three, and First Peter five. I don't want to read them all, but like if if you read them, like Titus talks about. You, Hallmarks are good authority, good leaders. They're blameless, so they've got a great reputation. Mm-hmm. They're not overbearing. Mm-hmm. They're not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent. They're honest. They're hospitable. They love what is good. They're self-controlled. They're upright. They're holy. They're disciplined. I love this. They hold firmly to the trustworthy message. They encourage others by sound doctrine and can refute those who oppose it. So, like people who know the word and live the word. Yeah. In 1 Timothy, similar passage, uh, Paul adds to this. uh, Leaders who've got a good reputation, they're gentle and not quarrelsome. How about this? They're committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and live with a clear conscience. Oh, that's good. Nothing scarier than a leader who's telling you things so that you will help calm their conscience. Wait, say that again. There's, There's nothing, nothing scary for me when I meet with leaders yeah. who are running situations past me, not to get my wisdom, but to get my approval of what they've already done. Oh, yeah, I got you. Tells me that their conscience isn't clear and they're needing outside peace to settle their conscience. Okay. First uh, Peter 5, they care willingly, not grudgingly. Nice. And in their leadership, they understand that they're serving God. And they, quote, don't lord it over the people uh, like the Gentiles do. Yeah. So, like, I love gentle leaders. Gentle leaders who understand their authority but don't use their authority to get their way. Because that's a misuse of authority. People who lead by good example and people who are dressed with humility. Oh, oh that's nice. Yeah, it's a terrifying list to read as a, as a leader. Uh, what makes a good leader? I, I love Bill Johnson's quote where he talks about serve with the heart of a king and lead with the heart of a servant. This whole notion that any authority that you have is there so that you can lead people more effectively. Yeah. Uh, David Wagner's got this great phrase, like, fruit doesn't lie. You know, if you want to know a good leader, look at the fruit of the lives of the people who are under them. Yeah. All right. What are some ways, I love this question, what are some ways to lean toward healthy connection with authority when you feel intimidated or nervous? So you're new to church or you're new to a culture. Yeah. You want to be connected with leadership, but you're really intimidated by them or you're feeling nervous. Well, I mean, see if there's any way to initially get to know them. Like most churches will have something like, you know, meet the pastors, something. Yeah, new you know. members class, pastors new members luncheon, class, punt, you know, whatever. Fun events. You know, at, at, attend one or two of those if there's if there's social events mm-hmm. at the church, you know, to, to try and get to know them in a way that feels non-threatening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you're more of an outgoing personality, you could always just walk up and introduce yourself. I, I don't think an outgoing person would be asking this question. Right. Because this person's feeling intimidated or nervous. Yeah. I guess that's my first shot is, is you know, the different sort of avenues that would be easier mm-hmm. uh, for a maybe a more shy person to begin meeting. Yeah. I would I would explore the story that you have that you might not know you have. Like so you're feeling intimidated and you're feeling what was the word? Uh intimidated and nervous. I talk to me about what it is you're imagining is gonna happen. What's producing the the fear? What's producing the anxiety? How badly is this gonna go? What's the story that you're telling yourself? And maybe tell that story to some other people, like, hey. I'm worried that if AJ, if I meet AJ, she's going to think X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because getting some people who know AJ say, oh, I have to tell you, like, that's literally not going to be the case. Well, I've or, had that before. Like, yeah. I've had people that are like, oh, she's kind of scary. I think she's, you know, super intimidating. And they say that to somebody who feels super comfortable with me. And they're like, oh, I'll introduce you. And they mm-hmm. come up. We have a conversation. And maybe a couple conversations later, they're like, oh, I'm so scared of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like. I'm so glad we got past that. I've had you know? a, over the years, I've had a number of people come up and just tell on themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so brave and courageous. Where they've basically come up and just said, hey, I don't need anything from you right now, but I just need to tell the truth of myself. That was, I'm super scared to meet you, and I just want to get that out there. And so if you've ever felt awkward around me, it's just because I've been freaked out. The end. Right. You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, been there, done that. Got totally it. Totally understand it. Yep. Just way to punch through that awkwardness barrier. Yeah. I think another helpful thing is try and get in people's orbits. And the easiest way to get in a leader's orbit is to move to where they are. Like, go go serve whatever they're doing. Because by doing that, you'll literally be in their orbit and who you are will become known to them. Yeah. All right. AJ Jones. Yes. What have you learned about demonstrating good leadership to others. So reflect on your efforts to be a good, safe leader. What have you learned? Stay vulnerable. Okay. Like be a, a vulnerable person. Like I I do have weaknesses. I'm aware of them. I'm not trying to hide them. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly communicate. Gosh. And realize I can totally miss it. Like I can think, oh, I clearly communicated that. And you didn't hear it. And so maybe it's not actually that you didn't hear it, but I didn't clearly communicate it as much as I think so. Mm-hmm. Be quick to listen. Mm-hmm. I, I, when everybody asks this question, I always think about Matt Crowson. Matt is one of our pastors at SOSL, and he said one of his favorite parts of his job is he gets to redefine people's experience of leadership. Yeah. So as a school pastor his students come in all the time who have an expectation of how he's going to react or how he's going to behave or how he's going to hurt or disappoint or underwhelm or you know control or manipulate right and so he gets to sit with people and give them an alternate experience and i think that you know matt does that so well like he's brilliant he's, he's brilliant at that he's so gracious i i think about how even though my motive I might work on my motive and my motive might be right. My behavior could still wound. That's like one of the hardest things for me as a leader. Like I've worked so hard on my motive. And even though my motive is right, my words or my behavior can still wound. Yeah. That's one one part. Another part is that when people come to confront, one of the things I've had to learn is people are confronting action, but I historically have heard motive. And say, so, right. oh, no, no, you're wrong. Let, let me explain why, my, why you're wrong because my motive was right. And I've right. had to learn it actually doesn't matter. You they're, experience They're giving this. you real-time experience yeah. on how you experience them. And that is important. Yeah. Like, they're always right, even if your motive was right. Yeah. Like, and so that, you know, that's been hard. I think also, like, one of the, one of the things I, I, I still haven't learned and I still forget, and it's hard to do, is that, like one, I forget how powerful I am. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, f- I forget the level of power I carry in who I am and the words I say. So I can be flippant and realize that can really hurt people. And I'm, well, I'm just joking around. Like, no, you've forgotten the power dynamic. So that that's bad. But the other thing that I've learned is I'm unaware, and how could I know, of the stories that people are telling themselves? Yes. Like I remember uh, onboarding a member of staff 
number of years ago. Like, in, you know, because one of the things like AJ and I, yes, we lead a bunch of people, but we also have like direct reports. I have like five direct reports, people who work for me. Uh, you know, I'm their line manager, I'm the direct reporter. I meet with them every single week. You meet with like five or six of those as well. So those are the people who would probably get most of our attention weekly, you know, intentional time. And all of those people are very different and all those people have different needs and they have different stories. And so I remember one time, you know, onboarding a member of staff and I'd, uh, you know, just exploring what they thought I was or how I was going to react in situations beyond, like, I would never, how they thought I was going to respond to a situation just wasn't even in my playbook. Like, right. they thought I was going to come down on them like a ton of bricks and drop the hammer and blah, blah. And so they're bracing for impact from this angry boss. And I'm like, oh, literally, that, that's not how I'm going to behave. And so learning, like, where are people from? You know, how can I meet them rather than expecting people to just kind of arrive at where I'm at? Yeah, those, those are the things I've learned. Good. All right. Last section is all about questions about kids. Okay. I would love some thoughts on the balance of children being upset and emotional and how as a parent you teach them to honor authority but at the same time not swallow their emotions. Like, you understand the question? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would say all of our kids are pretty emotionally in tuned. Mm -hmm. like, and so they have big feelings um, and you are way better at it than I am, but just sitting with them, you are okay, It's I'm sitting with them, better. especially MJ and just sitting with them and going, okay, buddy, what do you feel? Do you know what you need? Like helping them work. Th- so not trying to shut down the emotion at all and not trying to shame them for emotion. Even, you know, like, yeah, you're going to have emotions when we say, no, you mm-hmm. can't do X. But you're not in trouble for having an emotion about having that. And we still need you to do it. And X. it's still a no. Mm-hmm. But um, but then sitting with them in their emotion and, and letting, you know, and processing through it with them. Yeah, I think uh, probably the biggest time we see big emotions is when our children don't like reaping the consequences of their poor choices. Yes. And if I could encourage parents anywhere, it's like, it's really hard. You've got to stick to your guns. Yes. Because otherwise you're training your children that consequences don't matter. And you're training your children to blow up their or, poor or choices to blow up them. Or that you're not going to follow through. So, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's like helping them detangle. Like, hey, right now you're really mad. You think you're mad at me. But you're probably mad at you because this decision has cost you. You're mad at me for enforcing the decision that you already knew was coming your way. Right. And you get at, you. I get it. You're mad. I get it. You're deeply sad you just lost your phone. I get it that you're super sad that you're grounded. Yeah. Gosh, I'd be mad too. Yeah. Man, I wonder what we can learn from this. Yeah. And so trying to make the consequence not punitive is really helpful. I'd say another thing is working on your own stuff and modeling you handling that dynamic really well is is important. Mm -hmm. So letting your kids see that, yeah, daddy's tired and daddy's frustrated and daddy's lonely and daddy doesn't want to go to work today but daddy's still going to go work today because that's daddy's responsibility yeah i'm or, thinking maybe later i could ground you and take away your phone we could tell the kids you could film my reaction yeah and show that'd it to be them. great yeah 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 okay member <laughs> exclusive coming up anything else around i think that that's no i think that's good all right last question <gasps> oh thank you what's good about telling your children do it because i said so Nothing, but it's so tempting, and I have done it many times. I mean, I I do sometimes. I'm usually good at like maybe the first time that they're like, "Why do I have to do that?" Well, because blah blah. blah. Yeah, but I want to. So why do I? Have, you know, I I have on several occasions. Oh, said, yeah. Because mummy said so. Yeah, it is an ace up your sleeve. That because you can we use. have now arrived at. I don't care if you understand why. Mummy said so. <laughs> right. But it is a blunt tool. <laughs> yes. That, uh, you know, is I haven't had to say effective. it in quite a long time. Probably but the only I time have. we'd play it is, though, like you say, the, when we like realize our kids are now milking the, oh, if I can talk about my feelings, maybe my parents will wiggle on this. Right. You know, if we feel like they're, they're kind of like wiggling into the, yeah, but mom, I don't even understand. This doesn't seem fair. It's like, yeah, yeah, l- there's lots in life that's really unfair. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell but you, I'm I've run out of patience. you to do it anyway. Yeah, do it. Because I asked you to do it. Yeah, it's not a go-to slick uh, parenting move. No. But let's be honest, we've all used it. Yeah. 
Thank you for your brilliant questions about leadership. If you've got any more, please send them in. We will answer them. You know, we won't do a whole episode to them. Well, it depends how many come in, but we'll, you know, we can answer them in future episodes. Um, if you want the show notes for this episode, go to alanaj.com slash 251. If you want to ask us a question, you can reach out on social media or you can go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And a huge thank you to our members for supporting our show and making our show possible. Thank you If so much. you would like to become a member, if you'd like to get your questions answered first, if you would like to watch video versions of the podcast, and if you'd like to receive discounts on all our products, go to alanandaj.com slash join. AJ Jones, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day, from Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.